Now, I just want to remind you, as you turn in your Bibles, before we go into the passage we're going to look at, before we go into that, as we're going to continue in John chapter 4, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John, the last chapter, uh, the second last one, John chapter 20. I want you to open up there, because I want to remind you why we are doing what we're doing. And that is to know Jesus better. For you and for me to grow in Jesus Christ, we need to study the Bible. And we need to study it through. We need to understand what Jesus is doing. And by following Jesus, by reading about Jesus, by seeing how Jesus reacts in the presence of certain circumstances, that is how we grow in faith. We learn from the Master Himself. And this is what Paul tells us, uh, not Paul, John. Look at John chapter 20, verse 30. It's really easy to remember that verse. John 20, 30, okay? He says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples. He was one of those. He says there were many signs that Jesus did in front of His disciples, in the presence of them, which are not written in this book. But these are written. The woman at the well which we saw last week, that is written. The chasing out of all of those animals, you remember when we we discussed that, that was written. The wedding and the wine at the wedding, that was written. Why? Why was that written, John? He says it, but these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That tells me that every single thing that is in your Bible today is important for you to understand that Jesus is the Christ. Hence, I'm saying the Bible is important. We cannot, I cannot come up here and talk for 20 minutes about something else. Once I come in and we start preaching, you open up the Bible and you get into it. You don't want to hear my stories. I'm not a famous man. You don't want me to come in here and tell you about another famous man, do you? There's only one famous man I can talk about. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I know him as John knew him. This is why John is writing it down for you and for me to study it. Why? So that we can know him better. And as we know him better, guess what happens? We get better. And so many times we come in certain circumstances and as we take Him as our example, it will show us how to operate in those circumstances. And He says it right there. He says, but these things were written so that believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Now let me just test it here this morning. Who wants life in His name? One, two, three, four. I don't know what the others want, but I want it. Life in His name means eternal life. It means life after this life. And friends, you didn't come to this earth to live for 40, 50, 60, 80, or maybe you will make 105. Or maybe you will be that one person who hit the record and live 150 years. But you didn't come to this earth to make it on this world. You came to this earth to find Jesus Christ. That is the sole task. You can aspire to go to the highest high that you want to go to. If you haven't found Him, you found nothing. You were just merely like a flower that time came to blossom. And after the blossom time, what happens then? It starts dying. So this is it, friends. We are here to find Christ. We are here to worship Him. And that's why I'm continuing on saying it. And I'll tell you what, I'll be preaching until my last breath, and that is going to be the message. So Sunday after Sunday, if you come into this place, you're going to hear one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. Him as our example, crucified for us, giving us the good news, giving us eternal life. Is that what you want to hear? then you've come to the right place. Now, let's go into the last part of that chapter. In fact, we can say that this is part two of last week's message, the lady at the well in John chapter 4. 
Now we've learned from Jesus everything in circumstances. And we see how he conducted himself in this situation. He met this lady at the well. And once we see how he conducted himself in a situation, it is noticeable for me then to look at the reaction of people. In other words, Jesus comes in, there's a situation there, and then he says something or he does something, and then you get a reaction. And that's what we saw last week. We saw how Jesus came and he cut through like a warm knife in, a, in hot butter. Have you, have you tried that? What has happened? You cut through right through. There's no resistance. And last week we saw how this lady came and she stood at the well and Jesus came and she had all of these layers of resistance. First of all, he was a Jew. And Sumerians didn't talk to Jews. In fact, the Jews didn't talk to the Sumerians. And there was this cultural divide between the two of them. It is amazing that we are still living in those times today where people will look upon other people because of the color of their skin and they say, no, 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 the gospel is only for these kind of people. Look, that is a lot of nonsense. And here we find one of those, those places where it is shown to us. Jesus walks right into that circumstance where it is a different culture. It's Sumerians. The Jews called them half-breeds. Half-breeds. But praise the Lord, there's salvation for half-breeds. I thank the Lord, there's salvation for each and every one. Doesn't matter whether you're yellow, black, colored or anything. There is salvation for you. Doesn't matter which part of the globe you're coming. The word says that for God sent His Son so that all the world might be saved. And Jesus showed that example right here. Then He cuts through these layers. And, and you remember, she threw up and she said, Yeah, but our father Jacob presenting the flesh. And, she, and He cut right through that. And then she came and she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And she, and she tried to steer it away and he cut right through that and she came to Jesus Christ. Him. And she's met Him. So, Jesus cutting through all of those things and now we're going to see the reaction that Jesus, when He comes onto the scene. Look, if you want to change your family, if you want to change your environment, if you want to change all of those things, all you need to do is bring Jesus into it. Yes? Absolutely. And then all you need to do then is sit back and see the reaction. Well, some people would want to stone you. We find a lot of that in Jesus' time, isn't it? They pick up stones to, to kill Him. That's also in reaction. But here we see another reaction. And what really got me when I read through this whole passage and for how patiently Jesus was cutting through every single one of those arguments, it made me understand one thing and that is that He is so intrigued and careful for the soul of man. He's so compassionate for the soul of man. Think of the compassion He had on your and my life to save your soul. He had the same with this lady. The same. John chapter 4, verse 27. This is now right after Jesus has spoken to this lady at the well. And he says, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. They marveled. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? You see, in their day and age, rabbis and men wasn't allowed to talk to women in the street. We find it strange, don't we? But for them it was, it was an, not a thing to do. The Pharisees, with their laws coming in, they said that a man was not allowed to talk to a woman in the street. And now he comes up to this woman, it's a total strange woman, she's a Sumerian who you don't talk to, yet Jesus is is in a conversation with her. And these men found it really interesting. It says that they marveled at, at this that he talked with her, but they said nothing. They didn't ask him anything about it. The woman then left the water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, I love this, and last week I showed you that this to me was a sign that she found the master. She left the water pot behind. The one thing that she carried with her all her life to get some water. 
but she came to the fountain of life. And when she came to the fountain of life, he gave her living water. Oh, isn't that the water that you and I thirst so much for? So she went away into the city and said to the men, Come see a man. Now that stood out to me, he says, Who taught me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She says, Come and see a man. Look, this is fascinating for me. Remember what I said. When Jesus comes in, look at the reaction of people. See what He does to them. When, when He met this girl, it was her own words. When Jesus said, give me a water, what did she say? She said, why are you talking to me? Because you are a Jew. You remember that? Now, after Jesus has dealt with a heart, gone is those separation between nations. Absolutely gone. Now, he's just a man. And not just a man, he's the man who told her about every single thing that she did. It is fascinating, dear friends, how cultural barriers are broken down by the love of Jesus Christ. I love it to be a child of God. I want to tell you one thing today. I'm not a citizen. You know, I'm a South African-born Kiwi who's now living in Australia. Make of it what you want to. And people say, are you going to become a citizen of Australia? And I might. I might not. Because that doesn't bother me. You know what bothers me? I'm a citizen of another world. I've got a passport, John, which is not of this world. In fact, you can say, I've got a passport that is out of this world. Yes? Have you got that passport? And if you do have that passport, dear friend, you belong to a heavenly city. You belong to a heavenly world. That's where you need to belong. That's the passport you need to have. And this is the fascinating thing. When I came into this family of God, and by the way, that passport is only one way you can get it. You won't find it at the immigration office. You can fill in every single form you want to. You can pay all the money in your life. You will not get this passport there. You get it at the ambassador of heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. Who came to this world and showed us how a citizen of the heaven needs to operate and work and hold himself. And if you follow him, he will give you that passport. The Bible says that He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Not all roads in this way leads to Rome. Or shall I say, not all roads leads to heaven. I've got a passport. And this is the fascinating thing. When I came into this family of God, you know what I love? Or oh, I see so many different cultures in this family of God. I mean, this morning there's people from all sides of the world. Who would have thought then, when I grew up as a miners boy in Stilfontein in South Africa, when I was growing up there amongst the mine dumps, who would have thought that one day I would stand in Melbourne and I will have friends of Australians from from Argentina, from all over the world, even South Africans. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that I would, would have had good and close friends from India? Who would have thought that I had the opportunity in my lifetime to preach to Chinese people? Who would have thought that I would have made friends within the family of God of Filipinos? Who would have thought that? I know who. His name is Jesus. Because He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. You see, when I was running there as a young boy, throwing those little rocks between the dumps of the mines, God said, that man is going to preach for me one day. He's going to preach for the Chinese, for the Filipinos, for the... doesn't matter who they are. He's going to do that. And you know, I'm just living my purpose in Christ. Are you? It's fascinating when we come into the family of God and to see who is in the family of God. It's going to be more fascinating when we enter into our heavenly home after we pass from this world into another world and we walk in there. And let me tell you today, it's not going to be walking into heaven and over there is the Chinese and over there is the Filipinos and over there is the Sarah. It's not going to be like that. No, we are all part of the family of God. And here we see the reaction. We see this. She comes into the city. 
And she didn't walk in there and say, hey, look, there's a Jew out there. No, no, no. She goes into the city and she says, when come and see a man, a man, Jesus Christ. She says it afterwards, could this be the Christ? That's this translation. It puts a question mark in it. In fact, when she came in, she, she, she put a question to them. It's a rhetorical question. She said, come and see a man. Listen, friend, let me tell you this morning. If you have just the slightest inside of you something against other cultures, pray God through the love of Christ to take it out of your heart. Because you will sit with all of the cultures in heaven. Now, the second thing in this verse which I want to spend some time on is, who taught me all things that I ever did. Have you noticed that? Now, the question is, how does it work today? And I want to spend some time on this because in New Zealand, I had a man come to our church once and he said, Pastor, we need to confess our sins to one another. And he wanted us to have a service where everybody comes in and then I get up and I say, look, brothers and sisters, I just want to confess today I took a lolly out of my wife's pantry and I shouldn't have. Serious. That's what people wanted to do. And there's so many people who say, we need to confess our sins to one another. Is this what Jesus did here? No. Now let's go and see. Go with me now in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. See what Paul says in this passage. This man also proclaimed that he could dream dreams about people, about their sin. He came to me one day and he said, Pastor, I had a dream about this person in the church and he was doing the sin. I said, wow, that's fascinating. I said, did you go and talk to him about it? Oh, no, no, I can't go and talk to him about it. He won't take it the right way. I said, well, maybe he's got a relationship with God. Why will God gossip about him to you in your dream? Oh, he didn't take that for kindly. I mean, we laugh about it today. He was really, really mad at me after that. And then a few months after that, lo and behold, they had a dream about me. <laughs> he came to me and he said, well, he had a dream that my hands is full of blood. I said, brother, I washed my hands and I couldn't see any blood coming off that. And he said, oh, that's a spiritual thing, Pastor. You need to understand this. I said, well, well, this morning when I prayed and I spoke to the Lord, he didn't talk about blood in my hands. You see, we need to be careful what people take. They will take this verse and say, look, look, there you go, Jesus showed us. He told her every single thing she did. Oh, brother, sister, you know I'm talking to you this morning. I know what you did behind the shed. You better come clean. Oh, look, I'm serious. It's happening today. And people are gaining control over them. Oh, and they say, you can't say I didn't get it because I'm a prophet. You see, prophets today, modern man-made prophets, just want to grab control of your life so that they can manipulate you. But praise the Lord, I'm going to show you some scriptures today which will cut right through that. Amen. Let's look at this now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, now obviously Paul is now explaining um, the, the gifts, the prophecy and the tongues. And I want to come down to, to verse 24. Oh, let's read from verse 22. It won't hurt us. He says, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, as we are this morning, and all speak with tongues, and they come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Let me just address this. And look, we're going to come to that study, and I'm open for you to, to, to talk about this. When we talk about the tongues that happened in Acts chapter 2, I believe according to the word they were speaking languages of other people who visited Jerusalem. But it was a miracle that they could speak their languages. Here, 
He talks about that. And, and that's true. If we sit here this morning and all of a sudden we start up and, and start speaking in tongues and somebody comes through these doors, they're going to say, well, I'm not saying you. They're going to say, you're out of your mind. What's going on here? That's why I had to learn the English language to preach in Australia, the English language that everyone can understand it. And friends, if I go to China, I need to learn the Chinese language to preach in Chinese. Now, listen to this. If God calls me to China and He puts me there to preach and He wants to miraculously put the language of Chinese in me, but by studying it, but by fast-forwarding it, He will do that. God can do anything. I believe it. But if we stand up here this morning and all of a sudden to impress each other, start doing things, and a person walks in here who needs the gospel, he's going to say they're out of their minds. But then we get to the second one. We look at verse 24. But if all prophesy, and in an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convinced, uh, convi- convinced by all, he's convicted by all. And thus, now listen to this, the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And this is where they go, yeah, you see, there's the scripture verse. You're going to come in here, and everybody's going to say, oh, I know what you did behind the shade. Is that what he means here? That's not what he means here. No. You see, I'm going to explain it to you now scripturally, and I'm going to explain it to you personally, because this happened to me. Okay. So, this is now what he says here. You know, things get funny when people take verses out of context and apply it to their methodologies. I don't even call it doctrines, because it is not a doctrine, it's a methodology. It's a method to get control over your life. And here he talks about the secrets of the heart, and then he talks about conviction. Now, last week I said, look, there's no conversion without conviction, and it's true. There's no conversion with it. We saw it at the lady at the well. Jesus convicted her of a sin. He said, go call your husband. He said, I have none. And then he said, you, are, you speak the truth. Because the previous first five husbands were not your husband. So he was telling her the secrets of her heart. Truly. And when she was convicted by that, she got converted. She got saved. And that's how it happens for you and for me when we confess our sins uh, and we confess it to God. Now, what's the difference here? You see, when Jesus was there, he was there in person. Jesus Christ was there at the well. Is he here in person? No, we know the Bible says where two or three gathers in his name, there he is. But can we see him physically? Yes, he lives in us. I get all of that. But he was there in a physical nature. And he did this. Now, turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 1. Just want to take you on a, on a route through the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 1. The word says that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So in the Old Testament, He spoke to the fathers via the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. Who is His Son? Jesus Christ. Who was at the well? Jesus Christ. Who spoke to them? Jesus Christ. He says, has spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. But the problem here was that Jesus was on His way to the cross. So, in the days of the disciples, He spoke to them personally. In, in John chapter 17, when he prays, he says, The things that the Father said to me, I say to you. What I receive from the Father, I give to you. So he was a man like me. He had a voice like me and he spoke. But look, friends, if he lived today like me, a man like me, all of the people would have flocked to Israel to go and see him there. So he spoke to us via his son. Not via the prophets anymore. Now, let's continue now to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, 
the disciples was following him. And the last night when he was sitting in the upper room, he had this discussion with them. And see what he says to them prior to him going to the cross. John chapter 14 verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Why would Jesus say that? Because he was on his way to the cross. He was about to die. He was about to come to a point he was not going to walk with them anymore. So he's going to be physically removed from them. And if he's removed physically, they need to have another helper. The Greek word for helper there is parakletos. It's made out of two words, parakletos. And parakletos means is somebody to come next to you and to support you. Think about parachute. That's where we get that word from. If you get parachute, parachute. What happens? If you jump out of a plane with one, without one of those, you're in trouble. But if you jump out with a parachute, that parachute is coming alongside you and it's going to help you to land safely on the earth. Think about paramedic. That's where that word comes from. What is a paramedic? When you get injured, who's there? The paramedic is going to come alongside you and he's going to give you medical attention. And here he says, I'm going to send you a paraclete. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit who's going to come alongside you and to give you strength and power. He says to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes. You see, now he turns to them and he says, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to give you another helper. Now let's follow on. He says, um, 14 verse 16, he says that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and in you and will be in you. Turn over to verse 25. Are you with me? Look at verse 25. Again, He's still sitting with them in the upper room. He says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Parakletos, The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, He will do what? Teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Now think of that. Remember when I took you back to Hebrews? Who did the Father speak to the people through? The Son. Jesus was there. He was preaching. He was teaching. And now He says, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come to do what? He says it right there. The Holy Spirit is going to come and He is going to teach you all things. Friend, you can't open the Bible and read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You won't understand it. Then He says, and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. How did they write the Bible? They didn't write it when they were walking with Him. They didn't take notes when they were walking with Him. They wrote the Bible after He died. Say, how could they remember all of these things like that? There's your answer right there. The Holy Spirit taught them. Now, let's continue on now to John chapter 16. Now, look at verse 5. He says, But now I go away to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Now listen to this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why would it be to their advantage? Have you ever thought? Jesus could have lived all of these years. He could have still been alive today in his physical nature. It would have been really strange. But if he was alive, I've said it before, and if if he was in Jerusalem... And everybody knew he was in Jerusalem and Jesus could pray for you. And Jesus could touch you. What would you want to do? We would all want to go to him. Look, Jesus is not a Pope. Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man. And what happens? He comes around and says, it is better for you that I go. Why? Look at this. He says that I go away. For I do not go away 
For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, what is the work of the Helper? This is important. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. It's faith. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. In other words, they won't have Jesus to compare themselves with. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, I want you to look at me and understand. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, prophecy will bring out the secrets of your heart. What prophecy is he talking about? It's what I'm doing today. It's preaching the gospel. It's preaching the word. It is preaching what you see here. It is opening up the Bible. Now let me give you an example. When I, when I grew up, I was in a church which, which I to this day believe is a cult. Oh, they, they've got a Bible. It's the new apostolic church. They've got the Bible. It's formed in Germany. They've got priests. They've got evangelists and everything. But it's dead. There's no repentance. There's no cross. There's no you born again experience. So I was invited by my lovely wife today, then my girlfriend, to their church, which was a Pentecostal church. And I said, man, I don't want to go to those happy clappies. You know, in our church we don't do happy clapping. And, and you know, people jumping up and shouting hallelujah. So she invited me and eventually I went. And guess where I sat? Right at the back, closest to the door. And I sat there thinking, if this, if this crowd's getting wayward, then I'm off. Then I don't care about the girlfriend anymore, I just want to get out of here. So a pastor came up and he started preaching. And I'll tell you, friend, when he started opening up that word and preached that, that word, it was a Sunday evening, he started preaching. And as he went through his sermon preaching the gospel, I was sitting right at the back, and it felt as if every single person, although they were looking forward, although they didn't see me, it felt as if every single person in that place looked at me. You've ever been in a situation like that? I was sitting there, because as that man opened up his mouth, preaching the word. He didn't know me at all. I thought, this went through my mind, I thought that my girlfriend told him everything about me. Because every single time he preached something out, I go, that's me. Ouch! That's me. I'm feeling guilty. But he didn't know me. You see, for me, that night, he was prophesying over my life. But he didn't know me. I met him afterwards. He didn't come out and say, Oh, John, the Lord says that. No, no, no. He was just preaching the gospel. And I was sitting there thinking, how in the world could my girlfriend have told him all these things? Because he doesn't even know that. So he was preaching that gospel. This is where it is. The Holy Spirit, dear friend, is here as a helper. And as I preach the gospel, you know what prophecy is? It means bring forth. It is all there. It's concealed. But as you bring it forth, it's not telling the future. You see, people want to have prophets who can tell them the future. No, it's already been told. It's in your Bible. Read your Bible. Oh yes, there's a word of wisdom that you can bring. And the word of wisdom is in general and it will apply. Are you with me this morning? He doesn't teach us this morning to come up and all of a sudden we are now going to confess our sin in front of everybody. No. The Bible says that we sin against God. You remember when David writes down in Psalms, he says, I hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Do not let people catch you with all of these things. If it feels strange, most probably it is strange. Didn't somebody say if it smells like a rat? Most probably it is a rat. So I just wanted to bring it out this morning. When he says, he told me all the things that I ever did. Yes, Jesus did. Because it was Jesus Christ in the physical nature on the earth. And he did it once. I want you to notice as we're going to go on. He didn't do it again. There's no account... 
The disciples was there. There's no account after this one account amongst the Sumerians where he, where he went and he said, Oh, brother, I, and I told you exactly. Hey, sister. He didn't do that. He did it once to this lady. And then he preached the gospel. Now let's continue on to the next verse. You see, there's so much in the Word. I, I thought it was just going to be a few verses we're finishing off with this lady, isn't it? We're still busy with her. Look at this now. In John chapter 4, verse 30. He says, Then they went out of the city and came to him. Who? This is now the Sumerians. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him in saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. I find this fascinating. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I love that. Do not say there is still four months. Uh, do you not say that there is still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. Obviously, he was now growing. He was using the physical, but he was talking in the spiritual. You see, they brought him physical food. He was talking about spiritual food. He, he was talking about physical harvest, and then he says, look up. The harvest is here. In fact, there's four months. This is the miracle. He's taking four months out of it. In fact, the very next verse, before I, I, I come back to this, the very next verse he says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers food for eternal life, that both the, he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. How can that be that one who sows, and one who reaps rejoice together. Normally, when somebody sows, and he's finished sowing, what does he do? Wow, that was good, I've sown everything. And he rejoices. Then four months takes place, and the harvester comes in, and he harvests everything, and he rejoices. So there's two rejoices here. But Jesus says, no. He says, we're taking away the four months. Where the one who's going to show is going to rejoice the same time as the one who harvests. See the miracle? And then he says, lift up your heads. What does he mean? Well, while he was standing out at that well, telling them about these things, and they more worried about his physical nature, the people of the city started to come towards them. And this is why he says, lift up your heads. There's, there's the harvest. It's coming towards us. The harvest is, is white. I, I love this picture because we find this picture right through the Bible. We find it when Paul says, you know, one plants, another waters, and another, another, what does the other one do? He harvests. Friends, I want to tell you today, the harvest is white. It's white out there. People are seeking Him, and you are carrying the seed. I'm just sowing seed here. And the harvest will come. I don't worry about the harvest because Christ takes care of it. He did in this way take care of the harvest. He, he says here, uh, they brought him this food. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Is that your will as well? You see, some people are living to eat and others are eating to live. I find myself sometimes in a physical nature on both of those sides. <laughs> and when I, uh, when I live to eat, my waistline is telling me, hey, you are living to eat. <laughs> but others are eating to live. So what's the difference here? You see, the first one, people are living to eat. The material world is the most important thing in their lives. It's all about me, man. I've got to look after myself. And it's not only food I'm talking about now. I've got to have the best. It's all about me. I've got to, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, look, look. This is what it is. I absolutely are living to eat. I want to live the life. Whilst there's others who are eating to live. And the emphasis here is on the living. I'm living day by day for my Father. And you know what? Food is not the most important part thereof but to do the will of the Father, to do His will. And there's two things here. The food is the will of Him. Is the, the will is for everybody to come to salvation. And to finish His work is then after they came to salvation is to instruct them 
to instruct them on how it is to live this changed life. There's another application of to finish the work. When you look in John chapter 17 verse 4, he says, Father, I came and I've completed your work, meaning I'm going to the cross. The decision has already been made. We find this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 when Paul writes to Timothy. He says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What? To do His will, of course. Who desires all men to be saved. You see, so salvation is the will of the Father. Um, for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth is our work. When you get saved, that's not where it stops. You now are learning to live a righteous life. You know, some people, they just want to come up and, and they preach in, in, in all of these auditoriums and they say, if the Lord is talking to you now and they do the altar call, and look, I've got no problem with an altar call, but if it's an altar call, we're going to talk about your sin. And you're going to see yourself through Jesus' eyes, how sinful you are. It's not a five-minute prayer when you come up and, and now I go. If anybody asks you if you are saved, you tell him on account of my word as witness you are saved. You can't say that. They first need to live that life and show the fruit. There are too many wrecks among this highway called God, we call, called the church of people who have been caught with that. No, you come to salvation and you are saved. You're secure in your salvation. But then there's a finishing work that needs to happen. You start what it's writing here, to come to the knowledge of truth. Listen, let me tell you, friend, I got saved. And when he saved me, when I stood up there, I didn't know everything about the Bible. Did you? If you did, I want, then you're a remarkable person. <laughs> Honestly, I want to shake your hand and say, well done. No, no, the work starts then. Because then you start knowing the knowledge of the truth. But I want to hurry on to another point which is, I think, important for you to know. John 4 verse 36. And he who reaps, receives wages and gathers the fruit for eternal life. I mean, I can unpack that for you. There's a brilliant message in that as well. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For this is the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others labored and you have entered into their labors. Now look at this, verse 39. And many of the Sumerians of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. You see that? Why did they believe? Because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me that everything I did. So when the Sumerians had come to him. They urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. I think this is significant and I, and I think you need to hear this this morning. Then they said to the woman, listen to this now. Remember when I said at the start of this message, I like to see when Jesus comes into a situation and then the reaction. Look at this reaction here. He says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And that is the theme of our message. We ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. See, they said, We ourselves have heard him. I want to draw your attention to two things here. Because I think we find, I don't think so, I know we find it in churches today. First of all, there's two kinds of faiths here. It's the faith based on testimonies. That's second hand. That's second hand. Do you like second hand stuff? Oh man, I like it when I buy something and you break the seal. You can go out there and go, wow, I got that thing brand new. This year, look at verse 39, and many of the Sumerians of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. You see, their faith at that point in time was grounded on human testimonies. They've heard what Jesus did for that person. And look, I'm not against testimonies. Don't put words in my mouth. What I'm saying here is, they heard it second hand. 
Wow, did He do that for you? Did He really tell you everything that happened inside of you? That's remarkable. Let's go and see this man. And you see, this is the problem. This is not saving faith, friends. It's not saving faith. It will only bring you to Christ. And this is what I mean in churches. So many people come into church and they say, Wow, that's a great, vibrant church. We need to go to that church. And what happens? They come into the church. Now it's the church's responsibility and the pastor standing behind the pulpit to preach the gospel so that they can come to Christ and first-hand hear from Him. Not from the pastor, from Him. Are you, are you seeing where I'm going? That is one of the biggest problems in the churches today. Because we just want to fill the pews. We just want to fill the seats. We will do anything to fill the seats and to look really great. But in fact, you don't look great at all. They've heard the testimony. And this is not a saving faith. And this faith can be dangerous if you do not come to Jesus. You know what will happen? People will go out there and they will go, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But they don't know that Jesus. It's dangerous. Honestly, it is. Let me show you one example. Acts chapter 11. Hallelujah. Have we touched on a few things this morning? Acts chapter 11. Look at verse 19. Uh, sorry, it's Acts chapter 19. I'm so excited I've lost my place. Amen. But praise the Lord, we can find it again. Acts chapter 19, look at verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the inheritant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. It's exactly the same thing. They didn't know Jesus. But it is on the testimony of Paul. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so also. So these sons saw their dad doing the thing. In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. They didn't know him personally. And what happened? And an evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And what happened? It says there that then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them, overpowered them. One man against seven prevailed against him so that they fled out that house naked and wounded. Friends, it's dangerous. It's dangerous territory that some churches are finding themselves on teaching people things if they haven't known Jesus themselves. And this is the problem here. So when the Sumerians come to him, you see, this is what testimonies needs to do. Testimonies only point to Jesus. Hey, come and see what Jesus did for me. He changed my life. But I don't become your little Messiah. You know, I've got it against people coming in and they, they can preach in a sermon for 20 minutes about a testimony of another person. For 20 minutes. A testimony of a person. And I go, where's Jesus? Give me Jesus! Oh look, there's nice biographies and by all means, I'm not saying you shouldn't read that. I read them. I love them because I see what Jesus did in their lives. But that's not the message to me. Do you get what I'm saying? I feel as if I'm repeating myself, but it's so urgent. So this is not saving faith. They came to Him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and obviously he preached to them. Now we come to the second faith, which is clearly demonstrated in front of you. He says it there, and this faith is now based on personal experience. And look, when I say personal experience, I'm not talking about funny stuff happening. Gold dust, oil in our hands, angel feathers. That's not the experience I'm talking about. I'm talking about meeting Jesus Christ. 
And here it is. Who did they invite to stay with them for two days? An angel. A prophet. No. They invited Jesus Christ. Rabbi Jesus the Jew. But they didn't see him as a Jew anymore. And now, and many more believe because of his own word. And see their reaction. They say, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let me tell you something, dear friend. I've seen it in my life. I'm not asking you what I'm telling you now. I'm telling you. I've seen it with my own eyes. That when I bring people to Christ through the preaching of His gospel, they themselves found out that He's the Savior of their souls. And their lives changed. I was a young preacher. I was caught up into the Pentecostal movement. I preached, man, and I did all funny things which they taught me to do. You know what? It put a huge burden upon my shoulders because always I had to do something for the people. Always I had to be one step ahead of them. Always I had to bring something new. But one day when I went on my knees and I said, Lord, I just can't do it anymore. I'm worn out. I can't. You know what he said? He said, step aside, preach the gospel and let me do the work. That was the best of advice. I'm not proclaiming that I had divine revelation from him. That is just how the Spirit of God led me. And then I started opening up the Word and preach it verse by verse, line by line. I know of a man, and, and look, he's still alive. You can contact him today. Whenever he came into our church, he, he quoted what Benny Hinn said and what Joyce Meyer said. And this week, Jenny me and, and not in a bad way. He was following these people. He was sending money off to them. And you know, I didn't ridicule him. I said, is that what they say? And they said, oh, what did Jesus say? And we went every time. And my phrase with him, my cat's phrase with him, I said to him, it is written. And then we open up the Bible. It is written. Then we open up the Bible. And when I preached, afterwards I would come to him. I would say, Bill, it is written. I said, Pastor, it is written. And you know what? He had an operation. He went into the operation. And when he came out as a pastor, I was at the hospital. And they allowed me when he recovered. And you know when people come out of uh, an cystic and, and you are still a little bit dazed? He came out. <laughs> he didn't even know I was in the room. And you know what came out of his mouth? Not Benny Hinn said this. Not Joyce Meyer. No, no, no. He, as he came out of his day, said, It is written. And he quoted scripture verses. And I rejoiced. This man, this man didn't have it second hand. This man had it from Jesus Christ himself. He started following the words. Are you, are you there? This is important for me to know. This is saving faith. And you know what? It will bring salvation to your soul. Jesus Christ will bring salvation to your soul. Jesus Christ is the one who will give you eternal life. Jesus Christ is the one who will save you. Jesus Christ is the one who will lift you. Jesus Christ is the one who will tell you. Jesus Christ is the one who will direct you. If, if, if only, if only you come to Him and stay with Him. They spend two days with Him. I want to spend a lifetime with Him. You say you get so excited about it. How can I not? How can I not? But these days we have all of these wishy-washy popcorn style of things going on. And I say, look, popcorn is what it is. It will not satisfy your soul. Come to Jesus. Spend time with Him. And you also will say, and now I believe because of His own Word. And you also will say, indeed, this is the Christ, the Savior of the world, the Savior of my soul. I don't have to bring gimmicks into this place. Man, we can go out of this building and preach under the tree. Not today because it's cold. But we can preach under the tree and the Gospel of God and the Spirit of God will fill your heart. Just do Jesus. I can't emphasize it anymore. He is the Savior of our souls. And they say, we ourselves have heard this. You see, this is why Paul writes in Romans 10.10, he says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. These people came to Him. They didn't have it now in testimony. They came to Him and now they testify with their hearts unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Isn't it wonderful? And just to finish it off, 
verse 44, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Isn't that so true? Have you ever wondered why? You see, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Where was his country? It wasn't there at the Sumerians. That wasn't where. It was amongst the Jews. Isn't it amazing the, the picture, the contrast here? He went to the Jews, and what did they do? Oh, the Pharisees came in and said, well, you know, we are middle class businessmen, we've got this political party, we've got all of these people, you can't get people, come on, what's going on here? They didn't accept him, why? They saw him as a carpenter's son. This is why this. Why can't you testify to your family? Because they know your history. Oh, they listen to me. Because they don't know my history. But they know your history. You're the one who grew up with them. In my own family. When I came to the Lord, they said, Oh, we know what you did. Oh, come on. You remember that day when you and I jumped over the fence to the neighbor and got his peaches and stole his peaches? Come on. Look at you now. You think you're I and mighty? They know your history. A prophet has no honor in his own country. Amongst his own people, they didn't. But look what happened when he went to the Sumerians. Now he wasn't a Jew anymore. They didn't bother with he was a, a carpenter's son. No way. What is he? He's the savior of the world. And this is true. This is why it's so tough for you to, to preach to your, your, your family. Because they know your history. And so they came to Galilee. The Galileans received him. Look at this now. I'm going to point you two things and we're going to close in prayer. Having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. It's just as if it's just emphasizing what I just preached to you. Can you see the two contrasts there? Can you see it for yourself? Look at this. So he came into Galilee and they received him. Why? They saw the things. They saw the things. Here is the difference. The Sumerians in verse 41 and more of them, pistios, that's the Greek word, pistios. They believe because of his own word. They believed his word. The Galileans received him. They didn't pistios him. They didn't believe in him. They received him. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, Jesus Christ, you're welcome in your midst. You're part of this, all of the other gods. They received him having seen all the things he did. So, Paul writes down in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For we walk by faith. Faith, not by sight. We will see that this is where most of these problems will happen. Amongst the people who are seeking a sign. Seeking a sign. I believe it when I see it. There it is. Two different contrasts here. Where are you sitting this morning? Do you believe him because of his own word? And this is the thing. If it is because of his own word, when did you sit down with him and you had a discussion with him, a talk with him? Oh, wait a minute. You're beginning so spiritual if you say you talk with Jesus. Oh, yes, I do. I do. When I pray, I've got his word open in front of me. And you know what I found? Every single situation in my life, the answer is right there. Oh, I might not see it the first time. I pray and I say, Lord, there's a situation in my life and I bring it to Him in prayer. And then I read through the Bible and I read through the passages and, and I read through a few books currently. And just, just maybe two or three days later, I come across a passage and I go, Wow! Three days ago, Lord, I prayed about this and now... It, it's as if, it is as if that verse was written just for that. Has it happened to you? I'm testifying to you what happens to me. A couple of months ago there was something going on, a little bit of uneasiness in my, in my soul or my spirit around the work or something at work. And you know what? Preparing for a message, and I'm finishing with this. How many times did I say I'm finishing? Is anybody counting? I brought it to the Lord in prayer. And preparing for a couple of sermons ago, 
by that time, there's a scripture verse that came. And when I prepared to preach to you people, the Lord spoke to me through his word. And this is the verse he said. Man can receive nothing if it hasn't been given to him from heaven. Now, you didn't know it then. But I was going through a little bit of a difficult time a couple of weeks ago. Well, four or five weeks ago. At that particular time. And when I read that verse, I became a little bit anxious. I'm honest to you this morning. And I brought that anxiousness to the Lord. And then I came to that verse. And when I read it, preparing a sermon to preach to you in this church, the Lord spoke to me. He said, John, don't you fret about anything. I'm not saying this is direct revelation. This is my paraphrasing of how I understand that verse, okay? Don't try to say, you know, I'm, I, I don't get direct revelation from God. I get this revelation from there. just want to make it clear. And he said to me in my paraphrasing, John, this is the verse for you. Man can receive nothing if it hasn't been given to him for heaven. So what does it mean? It means every single thing that I've got today has got the approval from the Father. And listen to this. Nobody can take it from you if the Father hasn't approved it. Wow. You know what happened with me? The anxiousness is gone. He spoke to me. That's how the Lord speaks to me, through His Word. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray to you this morning and thank you.